0: All right. Thanks again for all of you for listening again. Uh, we have uh coach who, you know, I've probably known personally as well as anyone that I've interviewed so far. Uh, and that is Hermantown head coach, Andy Fenske. Coach, thanks for joining us today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, man. As everyone else has said, you know, we appreciate you doing this because, um, you know, like there's so many other coaches out there who are just junkies who want to learn more and want to hear more. And, you know, we probably all listen to the same type of podcast and same college NBA, you know, big sports podcasts, read the same books, but, uh, how often do you get the chance to, you know, listen and pick the coaches' brains of the same type of kids who we work with almost day in and day out. So, you know, I appreciate everything you're doing here.
0: You know, I do want the audience to know, since this is just an audio file, you know, coach Fenske is usually one of the more, uh, classier dress coaches in the state of Minnesota you know, John Malaya back in the day when you were at the, with Hermantown at the state tournament, I think his, his tweet was, I'm going to have to cancel. Maybe it was when you're the girls coach. It was when you're at with Princeton, not to step on your Wikipedia page here, but uh, you know, if I, if, if coach Fenske isn't the best dress coach, I have to cancel my GQ subscription. And so I know you have that probably have that tweet framed up in your, in your home or in your office, but uh, coach is wearing a t-shirt. So just know that he's not suited up today. Uh, he's rocking it rocking Hermantown t-shirts. So just uh, for those of you, just Coach Fenske is not in a suit today, but coach, uh, tell us our, your Wikipedia page, uh, where, where you're from, where you played and then where you've been and what led you to Hermantown.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, I take more of the, uh, coach, uh, excuse me, coach clay type route there where, um, you know, grew up playing basketball, doing all that, um, came through the coaching family did, um, you know, the multi-sports did everything. Um, and, uh, once you got to the high school there, my, uh, uh, love for the game far surpassed my ability to play the game. And um, I think I had a total of maybe like 15 career varsity games I ever played in, came off the bench a whole lot. Um, had an injury senior year when I was thinking I'd be a solid six man there, which uh, I was pretty okay with. And um, didn't quite pan out, Had uh, had to deal with that. So then I uh, go to college, I could stay this. Um, after my freshman year, I realized I kind of missed being around the game. Um, reached out to some uh, local friends who grew up in the St. Peter area there and had some connections to the athletic director. And, you know, he just put me in touch with them. And I said, Hey, I'd love to, love to coach, love to help out what's, uh, what's available. And, um, ended up coaching a seventh grade B team that year. And, uh, let me tell you, that'll, uh, that'll teach you how to teach the game real fast. Um, then, um, the talking to the head coach, coach Schoenborn that was down there at the time. Uh, he led me to, um, like a traveling, I guess down there it's called uh, they do uh, ninth grade B squad varsity, you know, it's kind of like a JV type situation, but it's a lot more that uh, you know, 10th grade group that you usually have uh, with those smaller numbers. Um, but they were doing a weekend like traveling JV, so I decided to join that um, and uh, help out there. And then all of a sudden he stepped down, and coach Kelly Raymond came in and took over the head job uh, the following year. And they had a ninth grade spot open, and I applied for that. And so I got to coach with him for two years. Um, and then uh, after that, I uh, graduated from Gustavus, got my job up in Princeton, uh, where, you know, the coaching uh, took over. I was uh, initially hired on as a middle school boys coach up there. And then the girls' uh, side had a uh, high school position that opened up, two of them, actually. Uh, and I applied for them there, got the ninth grade girls' job uh, that I took over for, um uh, kind of two and a half years there before um ended up becoming the head coach down there. Um and then after a little over uh, two years two years in the the head coach went to uh moved up to Duluth. Remember you're talking to Red McDonald there at a uh, down in Cambridge and I just moved up here to uh follow the girl and you know, you guys were talking about your coaching staffs, who was going to be back, who was going to be around. And, the, um, you know, you brought it up there that, oh, yeah, well, I know a guy who was just moved up there. You put him in touch, just gave him my number. We met up. Uh, so I went to Duluth East, coached a JV for a year, uh, moved back to the boys' side there for Coach McDonald so I can claim that I'm under the McDonald's coaching tree, which, uh, you know, should get me into a lot of backstage passes at the state tournaments. Um, <laughs> and then after that, uh, after that opened up, after that season kind of wrapped up there uh there was the opening for on there coach schmitz had just stepped down and uh you know i had talked to the wife talked to you know coach mcdonald about it and just said you know i appreciate every opportunity i had here but i think i kind of missed being uh, being in that one role there being the head guy um and i you know i learned a lot took a lot away and i was able to actually finish up my master's degree at the time so the timing all really worked out but, uh, the big thing was, was, uh, talking to the wife there and who was very supportive of just being like, well, you know, if this is, we want this to be a long-term picture, I'm not going to apply for the job if this isn't going to work out, you know, because at the time we didn't have a child. And, um, as you know, that's, uh, that's a whole nother commitment within itself. So we had to make sure that it was going to work out. And she said, absolutely go for it. And, um, heading into my fifth season up here now, um, yeah, fifth season with the Hawks and, uh, yeah, so that's kind of the long and short of it and running through 14 years of coaching.
0: So, uh, you know, I like coached Techum, who from Delano, uh, was was the guest of mine. kind of same situation took over a coaching job in college. Uh and then it's kind of continued running on with that here uh as you've, you know, your head coach, your second head coaching job now on the boys side. Now, uh with when the girls job opened up in Princeton, it kind of became an interim position for you. Um it was a weird deal where you, I think you took over after like the first or second game of the season. And so talk about that experience. Cause you know, this is something that I don't think I've had any guests on so far who are coach on who's dealt with being an interim coach. And so talk about that situation and how you maybe did things a little bit differently as an, as an interim coach uh, before then the, the interim tag was removed that off season and he became the head coach.
1: Yeah. So we had uh, gone through, um, you know, and it was actually at the time it was kind of an odd situation cause I was coaching um, as a varsity assistant, uh, ninth grade coach for the football team at the time. And that was the time we made our run down to the dome. So actually the, um, what well, was the last week of the football season, the first week of girls practices was overlapping. So it's kind of, um, trying to have both feet in the camp at the same time. Um, and, uh, just, it was, it was kind of odd to be bouncing back and forth and whatnot. Um, but after the first game, uh, I was sending class and all of a sudden the phone rang and you know, the caller ID said it was the superintendent calling and, and I phone call to get in the middle of the day and they just said, uh, uh, just plan on running the practice. You know, you guys are running the practice today there. And uh, so, you know, went with it, rolled with it. Um, actually, right after school there, we buzzed over to the superintendent's office. He just said, you know, as of now you're as you and uh, Coach uh, Coach Milbrand at the time, now Coach Rashabi, you guys are uh, going to be co-head coaches and, um, you know, you got that interim tag for now and you guys will figure out what to do. Um, so that kind of took a lot of communication on our part because, um, so we had to figure out how we were going to tell the team that this was kind of the situation for now. Cause we have, you know, you're so in the dark with these things, um, as things are being, you know, looked into. Um, so we, uh, we'd gone through and met with the girls there, talked to them and just kind of said, here's what we know. Here's what we don't know. We got to get ready. Cause we had a game versus soccer Rapids the in a day. well, you know, that practice was kind of a waste. We had one practice to get ready for that. Um, but not knowing how long the interim tag was going to last. We tried to run everything as um, Coach Johnson had run it. Uh, prior to that, we would kept all the same plays, tried to run a lot of the same things. Um, you know, the drill-wise, we I started shifting things more towards mine because uh, Coach Rashavi, or Coach Millbrand at the time, had uh, she felt a lot more comfortable sticking with her JV group there since she had known those and worked with those. And I said, you know, I was ready for that. And we just had hired on our uh, first varsity assistant coach who then – um Coach Schlepper there, Coach Magnuson, had uh, stepped over and then taken those ninth grade girls. So we just got done uh, getting beat up pretty handily by Cambridge. And so they're kind of down on themselves for that. But uh, we found a way to get back. And um, it was probably about mid-February. We were about a couple of weeks out from sections that we realized uh, things were going to be a little bit different in that, you know, we're anticipating this is how it's going to be for the rest of the year. Um, so we switched, ended up switching some things around there, uh, just with different types of plays, different types of sets that were called, uh, the drills and things like that. And I think it was, I don't want to say relieving for everybody, but it felt like, okay, we can move on to the next step. And everybody, um, you know, the girls play stepped up a lot too there. We were kind of towards the bottom of the section anyway. I think we ended up as a sixth seed that year. Uh, but, uh, we really, we hit a little bit of a winning streak there towards the end of February. And I think it was the, uh. It brought us to a closure to the end of the season that we weren't um weren't prepared for. I mean, who's who's ever gonna be ready for that? Uh but then once um once that off season came around, and the job opened up, you know, I was talking to um Coach Milbrand and, you know, saying, well, hey, are you gonna be applying for it? Do you know, what's your situation there? And um, I d don't believe she ended up actually applying for it, just me and a couple other candidates and you know, um kind of being that interim coach and being a part of the program before, I think kind of gave me an inside leg um uh, and um you know knowing so much of the interview panel you know it's a, it's a, it's always so different when you go in for an, any interview whether it's a you know a job whether in the professional field or you know your extracurricular field um but when you know everybody it's kind of it kind of puts puts you at ease a little bit there and it felt a little bit more informal because we were running um a youth camp and then i came over and interviewed quick and then i went back over to the youth camp at the time and uh, but then I officially got the job there and uh, ran with it for two years there, and it was um, it was a good learning experience. You know, it's I try to think back to all the key parts of my coaching that have helped me be as successful as I think I've been. Um, but I think a lot of it comes from uh, working with younger kids, teaching at a young level, um, and then teaching those middle schoolers, coaching middle schoolers um and then but especially going through that interim year where I was trying to balance two things at once you know keep my coaching the same as it always is but also help out uh and run things just in case the other coach was coming back and then I'd be moving back down to my role so it was a uh, it was an interesting experience to say the least
0: yeah I know that was my first year in the district so yeah it was uh it, it was it was strange to say the least but like you said I'm sure when you have the interim tag on that once it kind of gets informally removed and like the the team knows. Okay, this is how it's gonna be the rest of you There's probably a huge, um, you know, relief that takes place. Now, you mentioned uh, my internet got. I think it just got laggy for a second. So just, uh, um, just make sure in case anyone missed that too. When you were at Princeton, you uh, led them to the state tournament first ever in school history. Uh, and then you, like you said, had a your now wife was up in the Duluth area. So you 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 took the leap and you moved to Duluth. without a coaching job, and you ended up on um Duluth East staff with coach Rhett McDonald who was on here a couple weeks ago and so uh talk about that transition from being a head coach leading your team to the state tournament to then now being an assistant coach uh talk about that transition
1: yeah so we um we were very fortunate there I had a phenomenal group of girls in my uh what ended up being my last year down in Princeton um you know uh, we were I believe as a 20 win year for us there which is only like the second time in school history of for the records that we had at the time um but uh we were making a run there and you know Princeton basketball had been to the section final two, three times beforehand, but just couldn't break that hump. Um, but uh, you know, we were very fortunate in that uh we were uh, we were the number one seed that year. Uh we had to go against Grand Rapids, which uh was, you know, they had a division one girl on their uh on their floor, but we had a handful of athletes there who were ready, and I think geez, four or five, I think might have all five all my top six players that year ended up going to uh, play collegiate ball at the next level. Um, so, you know, that's, that always makes the program better, right? They always make you look like a far better coach when you got those, uh, you got those type of players, but, um, going from that and, uh, then stepping back down and going to the assistant role. Um, you know, I like to give Coach McDonald a hard time there where it's like, well, geez, you know, I had to do everything for him there. I'd flip his chair around for him there, you know, cause, He likes to sit down. I don't know if he – I don't remember him mentioning that and how he likes to have his coaches (laughs) set a chair up for him there. Um, But it was – I I feel like I was a better assistant coach this time around because I knew a lot more of what went into the uh, head coaching realm. I mean, every assistant – if they haven't been in that situation, they believe they know what's going on. And, um, you know, I've heard the old adage there, once you move those 12 inches at one chair over, it's a world of a difference. I mean, you have to live with every decision. Uh, Your assistants there, they can throw things out all the time. Um, But, uh, you know, they don't have to live with the final consequence of it. Uh, But I think when I got to East there, uh, you know, uh, coaching Donald was just phenomenal. He just let me, he let me go with those jv guys you know and that was a very it's a very tough year going from that and uh we ended up with i think my jv had like four or five wins that year and everybody was just pumped because they're like wow this group you got this group to win that many games like geez, you must know what you're talking about i'm like oh boy no no i promise that's not true um but it was just it's was, it was a lot more of those little uh those little things like um helping break down some game film um throwing some ideas in for practice planning. I mean, I was at a charter school at the time he was over at a different school. I mean, most of the time, um, you know, I was coming in there and my JB assistant coach had started practice because I was 45 minutes late half the time. And by the end of the season, as we start paring things down, you know, it's, that's the majority of the time. Right. Um, but he always let me have a voice in things, um, pregame, postgame, uh, scout reports, things like that. He let me really get into that. And I think it was, simply because I'd had that head coaching background and he knew a little bit about that. And, um, you know, it was, uh, it was, I think it was really great. Um, as I'm sure, you know, there, we always want our, those assistant coaches, you know, you hope they stick around forever because you're going to hire on those guys and girls who are just phenomenal at those jobs. And it's, it, you're torn because you want them to be there with you forever, but you also want to help them grow and hopefully become a head coach themselves and move on and do bigger and better things. And, uh, you know i was it was i think that helped too is knowing that i wanted to get back into that so moving over from the girls side to the boys side um just kind of getting that feel of it because it's a different it's a different pace of play it's a different style of game and i think it's just uh it was good to have that transition year in between
0: so what's one thing you learned from coach mcdonald that you uh, took with you to hermantown
1: oh geez where to start i mean the 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 things that coach mcdonald teaches everybody it's just 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 <laughs> unbelievable now he's uh um i think the biggest thing is uh just uh the passion the passion of coaching there i mean that guy just lives and breathes basketball and you can see it in how he coaches and the way he does it uh some people perceive that that as uh you know he's just getting so anxious so excited and you just they see his yelling as demeaning as it more of it is as that motivation, that passion coming out of him. Um, but honestly, it was, it was great because I got to see, you know, he had just the one child at the time. Um, and then his second was born shortly at the year after I left there, but just seeing what it's like to have that true balance of family and basketball. I mean, his wife, you know, grew up with, you know, they're pretty sure they're high school sweethearts. I don't know if he wants to divulge, divulge on uh social media and whatnot, <laughs> but. Um, you know, she grew, up at, she grew up in the basketball world there, too, so she knew what it was like where, um, you know, the commitments that it takes and all the sacrifices. Uh, so I think uh, seeing how he balanced family and basketball because, you know, ultimately the family, you know, our family is everything to us. And uh, as much as we love the game and love what we do, uh, we've got to remember where the true priorities lie with our coaching world.
0: So you took over at Hermantown. What was the first thing that you wanted to do to uh, not necessarily fix or change too much because, you know, like you said, Coach Schmitz had been to the state tournament a couple of years before you were there. But what was one thing you looked to do to improve the program?
1: Um, well, when I first uh, so I first took over, it was about middle of June there because I had to wait till the school board was officially approved everything. Um, so they were already a couple of weeks in. And uh, so I went in and I met the team, met the guys, got ready for my first workout there after knowing nobody um not even the assistant coaches who are now my assistant coaches um you know I just wanted to first of all you know gauge what type of what talent was there because um, coaching over at East they've you know we play Hermantown East plays twice a year every year um you know so I got to see what it was like there and I knew that they had just graduated a whole bunch of seniors you know they graduated 13 seniors that year I believe it was um and so it was uh, seeing what was coming back and at the time there was just the one uh, Nate Sumas was the only guy coming back who had any significant uh, varsity experience uh and the rest were all JV guys so I was like okay well here's where we're at here's where we're starting what a great time to start fresh uh, so the first thing I started doing was seeing you know just kind of what uh what type of tenacity how uh, how passionate how much did they love the game of basketball and um you know the summer schedule was already set at that point by mid-June so I kind of had to roll with what was there um and uh you know coach Mitch uh he was more than happy to help but it was uh it was a, a unique experience as well because both my assistants at the who are my assistants now had both applied for the head job and you know naturally so it's kind of that natural progression um but it was uh it was a unique experience then because it was you know they had both known that they kind of got passed over uh for me at the time and i You know, I think I don't say there's animosity at the time because they're both great guys now. You know, Drew and Joe and I are hanging out all the time. We're texting back and forth like middle school girls, even like when we get home, as I'm sure most staffs are. My my wife just drives her crazy. Um, But uh, it was just we had to see what was going to be there and what kind of uh, what kind of uh, team it was going to be based off their, you know, their toughness and love for the game.
0: So, I know you one of the first things that you did was uh, establish a youth association, I believe, from our uh, interactions, uh, either just from you know uh, text messaging or talking before games as we play each other once or twice a year, depending on um, this is the first year I think we played each other twice,
1: mm-hmm. uh, but
0: just the, our pregame conversations I know that you know there's youth teams in Hermantown but it seemed like kind of like a, maybe a rogue parent would take a group over. And then you, I know, did a lot to establish that youth association or to help create or form that youth association. So talk about uh, that because I know there's a lot of coaches that will take jobs or have taken jobs where they're in the middle of taking over a job that there's not really a set youth board or youth association to, to be a feeder program for your ninth or 12 program. So talk about how you helped uh, create and build that.
1: Yeah, So, um, you know, starting back with uh, Coach Pottis when he was the head coach for about five years here. He um, there was really no Hermantown youth basketball. I believe at that time it was still run through Duluth as all the Duluth area youth basketball association. Um, so we all the Hermantown kids would go there. Right. And, uh, you know, so there's no. I don't want to say school pride because I don't know if that's a true thing at that elementary age, but there was just no, that there's no connection between those kids and what the high school, you know, product was. Um, so he kind of got those r- rolling there and there's a couple of leagues up here that, um, you know, there's one kind of a lower level league. And then there's one that, um, you know, you'd almost equate it to the MYAS schedule. Um, and it's at fifth and sixth grade where they kind of overlap a little bit. So it's, you know, they kind of start to separate themselves a little bit um, but these teams were all kind of parent run, self-run. Um, you know, as a high school staff there, it's um we were in charge of like the quote unquote tryouts, I guess, uh, the evaluations to kind of help split those teams up. And um, but after that it was really like on everybody was just doing random tournaments at random times. Uh they would like the money they would make from hosting tournaments, they would keep for their team for the following year for entry fees and whatnot, which just kind of baffled my mind a little bit just because, um, you know, down in Princeton, there's, you know, the youth boards were set up well in advance for both of us at the time. And it was just a well-oiled machine. I mean, there's always tweaks and always things you're going to implement and you want to kind of see fit your style. Um, but it was, uh, there was a lot that needed to be uh, changed there. And so uh, one of the people I talked to was actually my dad, he ran uh, the youth program, Donna Marshall for years and years, um, and, uh, he was kind of, uh, even after I went through, my brother was going through at the time So even when he was done, he kind of helped stick around and was, uh, a mentor, a liaison, so to speak. So he was the guy I went to to help say like, how do we go about establishing a board? Where do we start? Um, and it took about a year of figuring out, um, you know, and I know there's a couple of coaches you've had on here, coach Tree Seth and I forget who else had said, like, they have like, their whole hands are dealt into their youth program. And that's where I was at, but it was also, a lot because we didn't have any said guidelines or anything like that so it was uh it was a lot to take on um so we went through and i got some people who uh some awesome volunteers who were just you know they're all about helping and making it better for their kids and then our program as a whole um and so they uh they really helped out in setting these you know getting the bylaws set up for our youth board and doing all this and kind of setting up you know the checking account and then all this stuff and then all of a sudden i was like okay well now We just have our weekly you know our monthly meetings and when we're setting it up there okay we got gym times well i help coordinate that but i help coordinate with this one person it's not just me trying to piece all these kids practice times together it's this one person and then i just submit all the paperwork and all the official stuff to our community at at the time and um in terms of tournaments and stuff like that it's it's so much smoother um you know we have our coaches meetings we talk about stuff like that where you know i kind of lay out some expectations um, you know I do uh the first couple of years here I've done a, a parent meeting every year just with even with our youth kids just kind of make sure they know who I am because so I was brand new to the community um, even though I had been living in Duluth for a year at the time it was uh, you know and there's Duluth's one of those big small towns you know you run into so many people it's like well if you see me out like stop me say hello let's talk hoops let's talk about your son let's talk about you know life in general and uh, so I just want to get my face out there too and I think the board helping organize that and organizing all these parents and all those little tiny components that make a youth program so successful. Um, You know, I've taken what coach has done, coach Smith and myself and kind of just ramped it up, so to speak. And I think it's, uh, it's getting there. It's not perfect by any stretch of the word, but uh, we're running in the right direction and it's, uh, it's still a lot of work, but it's, it's given me a lot more freedom to coach at the varsity and the high school level where, you know, those parents are like, don't worry we got this taken care of we kind of know your vision you take care of those boys and we'll worry about the rest for now which is a huge relief
0: so uh one thing that i would say as someone who's watched you as we've um you record the girls coach here when i was the boys coach uh and then just from our interactions playing each other you know a handful of times here in your four previous year four years as a hermantown head coach uh, and just the conversations throughout the year um, about various teams and various things. One thing that I've, what I would always say about your teams is that no matter what your guys' talent is going to be, is your guys are always, your team and guys or girls are always going to play extremely hard. I know that's the one thing that we always tell our teams before we play Hermantown is they're going to play hard. You, you know, you're know, you not going to catch Hermantown. You know, They might on an off night, right? They might not shoot well. Uh, they might turn the ball over, but you guys are going to play hard. And I think so much of that deals with um, your ability to build relationships. And I've seen that front and center, but one thing that's always been really impressive with me uh, that or not, that I've noticed has been impressive, impressive for you. Um, or that I've been impressed with, I should say is your ability to build relationships with all of your kids. I think sometimes as coaches, when the, we get into the meat grinder of December and January, we start to, okay, who are our six or seven guys are going to play, make sure those guys are doing well. We're checking in with those guys. And, um, but I feel like you do a, an amazing job of, kind of making everyone feel valuable. So talk about ways that you build relationships with your players and that's everyone, but also specifically that maybe the second part of this, what, how do you keep invested and keep involved players like eight through 10 or eight through 12?
1: Yeah. So, uh, thank you for that. First of all, um, you know, that's, uh, it's always nice to hear that. It's, you know, I think we're, we invest a lot into our kids as well. Um, you know, obviously it's so much easier to build those relationships and work on that outside of, like you said, the, the grind of the season outside of November to March. Um, you know, you try, I try so hard to build those relations up in the summer. Um, I mean, obviously I feel a little behind the eight ball this year already, but having been established here for a few years, it kind of helps ease that transition a little bit. Um, but one thing I think that's been a huge benefit to my, to me is I've, I mean, having the elementary background in the middle school, I've never been in the building with my kids um, you know, when I eventually took over as the girls coach in Princeton, I had coached, or excuse me, I had taught all those girls, um, you know, in those seniors and those juniors, um, you know, some of those girls had moved up when I was the ninth grade coach. Well, so I've been able to coach them a year or two already before I took over for them for those next two years at the varsity level. Uh, so that was a huge benefit. I mean, uh, not too many people get the opportunity to do that. Um, but, you know, it's so important to build those relationships in the off season because, you know, it's during the season, you know, it's, uh, it's the cliche, you're, you're withdrawing from the bank, you're asking so much out of them, and they're, but they're going to give it to you because you have that relationship. You make those deposits early on. Um, so I think that's, uh, that's been a huge benefit. But not having ever worked in the same building as my, uh, as my players, um, you know, I, gotta, I try to make a very conscious effort to go ahead and build those relationships with those kids um you know when I first when I was at Duluth East I was at the charter school I'm still 20 minutes away from the school um you know we ran on the same school calendar so it's not like I could just you know pop in you know on the day I had off of my district and go see those guys and just you know hang out with my lunch or you know talk to them go talk with the AD you know it's not like you know you go to you know Mr. Labs' office and every kid in the every kid in the entire school is down there it's you know it's a god the kids just love that guy um but uh you know, and then I took over in Hermantown, and I was still, you know, and I was closer to actually Hermantown High School than East High School at my charter school, uh, but because of my schedule and my assistant coaches at the elementary school, and then the ones at the high school, uh, we always had late practice. Well, that gave us time to, you know, we always were either watching film, weightlifting, trying to do something before practice, um, where I was face-to-face with them, you know. those first couple years I wasn't paring down practices so much and you know that's I know it's never a good thing I was in Princeton we did at East but those first years it was so important to me to build those relationships with those guys I wanted to see them as much as I could and um, you know that panned out and worked out for the first couple years and then I've then moved over to the elementary school in Hermantown so I'm at least in the same district We start an hour later, so sometimes I can, uh, you know, before my contract hours start, I can pop up there and a few kids are in the gym shooting in the morning and go talk to them and uh, do things like that, and then make my contract hours, which is the hop, skip, and a jump from there. Um, But it's uh, it's it's been very important to do that. Um, And then as I, you know, alluded to earlier in my uh, Wikipedia page, there, um, not ever having been a varsity starter or a big key component to it um you know i can i can empathize with those kids who aren't in the limelight um you know those those guys who are scoring and playing all the time and getting a ton of minutes those aren't it's important to build those relationships with those kids but those aren't the kids who need it the most you know those kids who you go out and find um you know, I don't, I hate using the term role player because every kid has a role. Your role may be 36 points a night and Peter Sumas, shoot the ball anytime you can go score, you know, do what you need to do. That's your role. Um, but those, those kids who are outside that limelight and aren't going to get their name in the headlines or the local news or, you know, things like that, that high school kids love so much. Those are the ones you got to build up the most and, uh, you know, call on and those are the kids who are going to, you know, continue to bust their butts and, um, I think the more you can build those kids up, the harder they push those starting kids. And it's, uh, you know, at least that snowball effect because then that pushes them just that much more. It's uh, it's something we try to try to do. And, um, you know, my my uh, varsity assistant, uh, Coach Borak, this year, he's down at the Elm. Um, he's a first grade teacher. Um, so he and I are down there. And, you know, we have a, very, a lot of common times where we can sit and talk. And, um, you know, sometimes we'll run up there on our prep and lunch hours and just, you know, try to buzz in because our other assistant coach is a uh, PE teacher up there. So, you know, there's always one or two kids we can catch up there and do that at the time and help build those relationships during the day, which I think uh, means a lot to them too. But it's a situation that not everybody's in.
0: So offensively, your team has been really successful uh, the last few years. Obviously, like we, we scored a lot of points last year, it was mostly because of the players that we had, right? We You've had some good players. You Peter Sumas is going to UMD. Um, And we've had good players as well the last couple years, but let's talk offensively. And you made it pretty clear in our text conversation that you didn't really have much to add on the defensive side of it. So those are, no, those are your words. It wasn't me uh, throwing shade or anything. So let's talk (laughs) offensively for for those that aren't familiar with Hermantown. uh, Talk about what offense that you guys run and what some of the looks are that you guys are trying to get in your offense.
1: So a lot of what we do is, um, motion based. Um, it was something that I've always wanted to do and I started to implement it in Princeton, um, based off the type of personnel that I had down there. Um, and part of it came from working under other coaches who ran a lot of sets and did a lot of things. Um, and as a, you know, guy who I felt like was, you know, was slightly maybe above average intelligence, who knows, um, remembering a whole bunch of sets and things like that in the heat of the moment, whether it's a player or a coach, you know, I could do, but it wasn't, I didn't feel like it was the most effective. So I wanted to make sure I could find a way to uh, get motion going and uh, seeing what type of girls were coming through a program in Princeton at the time. I found a, uh, a style of motion, um, you know, it's a reading essentially a read and react to it, uh, you know, uh, and it was, uh, it turned out to be very effective, uh, worked really well. Um, but again, we had the we had the players who could do it and the players who could roll with that there. Um, you know, and we we had very high scoring offense. I mean, for our section final game, I think it was eighty to seventy-four for girls basketball, which typically you don't see a whole lot of. Um, so you know, offense was always a strong point of mine there. I had to make sure to hire on, you know, Coach Jacobs at the time to uh to be my defensive guy and to, you know, keep me grounded and remind me, hey, you know we can't spend the full two hours on offense today. And I said, well, if we outscore him, who the hell cares? No, excuse me. I'm sorry. I know, uh, coach carrier was saying stuff there too. So hopefully that's not, you know, we're not getting censored. You're good. And then, uh, ran to, uh, you know, went to Duluth East there and Coach McDonald. um, you know, he had set after set and, uh, with his style of offense there, you know, he was running the uh, chin series at the time from coach V line at, uh, Michigan there. And that handful of sets ran running off that, um, you know, and it was, it it worked out well um but I think at the time there towards the end of the season with his out of bounds plays and sideline stuff there you know and he's admitted it that he had way too much at the time I think he counted like 54 things I'm like coach I don't remember how to run these things I don't know how the kids are going to um you know and then so I think another benefit of going from the assistant uh, head to assistant back to the head coach you know you pick up on a few things there but you you get to tweak things and adjust things and it's a little bit easier to make those adjustments. Um, when you're kind of starting fresh again, um, you know, every coach would like to start over, uh, go back to their first year and do things a little bit different. Uh, while well, I got the chance to do that, um, and see what kind of kids we had there. Um, I wanted to stick with the motion style first, because I felt like I could teach that the best first of all, but, um, you know, we had some kids who were athletes who could play. And I think that it's such a huge benefit to teach them the motion. Um, but for a solid motion, you need to have guys who can take guys off the dribble. So we spent a lot of that first summer working on, um, you know, just being quick and explosive off that first step. Because in high school, that's so huge. If you have that one-step advantage on them, I mean, that's, that can make or break an entire offense series. Um, and so we we stuck with that there. You know, we had a few sets, a few things. uh that we implemented for if we kind of got into a rut or, you know, we were continually pounding one gap the entire time, or, you know, we were just, you know, kind of in a stagnant offense there. We had a few, uh, continuity things that we would call out just to get them moving. And, um, the sets we did have everything that we did, if it broke out, we always go back to our motion principles. You know, it's, it was the same this year. Um, this year's, you know, it's, it was, a uh, year we had the most sets, um, Players that I've ever had in uh, my 14 years of coaching uh, where I've had control of the team. Um, and uh, there's the most that we've ever had, but each one of them, where at any point the play, the action that we were hoping to get didn't work out, we were into a motion set, a four out one in type set. I know there's a lot of teams around the five out there, um, but I think I'm, I'm more partial to four out one in uh, just because it creates bigger driving lanes for our kids. Um, You know, it does get clogged up a little bit more around the basket, but we teach our post guys to, you know, make those reads and make those adjustments and then they're just fine with it. So, uh, you know, it's, we like to play fast. It's always been a fun thing to do. Um, Every kid says they want to play fast. And so it comes to the conditioning part. and then you see who really does and doesn't, Um, you know, you get those labs kids there. I get to have Taylor on my team and Tade with yours there, you know, they just, they don't stop running ever. So, they're good motivators, they're good leaders to get those other kids going too um, but uh it's uh you know it's it's a fun style to coach, it's a fun style to play uh, but it's uh you know as you know you have to give up so much control as a coach to run those types of things and run motion offense, but it's so much more rewarding, I think because then you kind of see what types of things they are, and you're you can kind of start thinking about other things and moving on to the next uh next thing that a coach needs to worry about when we're standing up in the box. So you mentioned a, a really good point about running
0: motion stuff, uh, you know, and, and kind of the same th- came the same type of stuff that we run is that you have to be comfortable giving up the, you know, giving up the power to the kids to make decisions. And so, uh, obviously every coach is going to have their sets that they go to their, their sheet player play sheet or whatever they're going to go to in the situation, but you know giving up that, uh, Just giving up that power is, I think, the hardest part for some coaches. You know, a lot of you know people. You know, not not tooting my own horn by any means here, but people have reached out since I started this podcast, and they see our scores, kind of asking, "Well, how do you guys play fast?" It's like you just have to give up power. I mean, that's the biggest thing. It's like if you want to pull them back, and you know, we talked about this with Red a little bit when he was on a few weeks back. Is if you want to, if you want to play fast, it's you got to let them play because if you start pulling things back to run sets, you're slowing down your momentum. You're not in the game kind of take care of itself and get a flow of the game, the flow of the game, get established. And so um, I think you hit on a really good point there. Uh, last thing here was specifically to your offense. What are some of your main teaching points? I know you mentioned read and react. I know you talked about looking to beat guys off the dribble. So uh, what's maybe the one or two, you know, maybe non-negotiables within your, uh, within your four out offense.
1: Oh boy. Uh, we got to make sure that number one guys are, always looking to share the ball I mean with emotion style offense guys got to kind of know their strengths and weaknesses and that um, uh, comes from that self-awareness but we need to help them out as coaches to understand where they're at and that's why you know we have those meetings those check-ins whether it's daily weekly or a couple times a year you know um, because you can run a motion style offense give a guy freedom but you might have a kid who he catches the ball in the corner three and he may be shooting less than 10% from there but it's going up every time because that's not a conversation you've had uh, so one non-negotiable is, um, you know, we got to make sure we always know, no roles, no responsibilities out there. And um, again, that ties into that's why I hate using the term "role player," you know, because every kid has a role out there, and especially in our offense. Um, so one thing is, we got to make sure that they they always know what they're going to do. Um, you know, if uh, if you catch in this spot here, this is not a this is not a good spot for you right now. You know, we hammer home, be phenomenal at your strengths. Um, you know, work on your weaknesses, but. Uh, we try to pound their strength even further. Um, but uh, the big thing that I would say that the other thing we got to think about is reading the second defender. And that's such a hard thing to teach kids because um, we want all of our guys, we said, well, you got to be great off the dribble. We're anticipating you can be one guy, but there's going to be ideally in a perfect situation, every coach is going to have, you know, two, three guys in help for sure. Um, so you got to make sure you got to be able to read them. So are your eyes up? Do you have that basketball IQ to see? okay, where are his shoulders at? What kind of – what angle is he sitting at right now? Is he in an angle where he can get over and stop me before I get to the rim and I got to kick it out? Or do I got to pull up from here? Do I got to, you know, pitch back out? Um, but we just the, – the way that I found that has been most successful for us is, uh, you know, we, we just run breakdown drills of it. I know I, the hot buzzword is small-sided games with it. Um, but you just, you know, you set up certain scenarios, you set up certain situations. You got to make them make reads, and it's never the read on the first defender; it's always the second one. Um, so we, uh, you know, we'll we'll have kids, um, you know, start hip to hip or something like that, so that way you're simulating they're beating off the dribble, but it's not dummy D because then kids hear dummy D, they don't play defense at all, which we have enough problems with. Um, so we we start them hip to hip at a just disadvantage. And okay, now this is this is your read in this situation. Okay, sometimes he's going to come at you. This should be your you know your next thought, your next you know, your your next uh, your next read essentially. Um, but if he does if he does this and you do this, you know, and it's it's so much easier when you got um, guys who just love the game and want to be a part of it because they just they just eat all that information up, and you know, you get those great guards, those great ball handlers who can you know score 20 a night or they can go for 15 assists or they can do both in the same night you know it just they and I shouldn't say just guards but you know we just refer to essentially everyone as a guard outside of you know our few tall guys we've had where we call wings you know um it's uh it's a tough thing to teach but those are the things that we really try to hammer home in our offense to make to make us be as successful as we are and um we also, you know, shoot a ton in practice. You know, you hear, I hear so many coaches say, you know, we don't get enough shots up in practice, and it's we we make it a point to, you know, because well, you know, if we we do catch us on an off night there, we better make sure we're volume shooters to try to balance those averages out, and um, you know, those are those are kind of the big things, big keys of our offense.
0: So we're gonna go into some wrap, quick rapid fire questions coming from Twitter. So I think you're you're, you're pretty active. Uh, this time of the year and in your following. Uh, so I got four from Twitter here. First one, we'll, we'll answer these quick. Stephen Bruce, uh, upbringing with uh, your athletic grandfather and your dad. Is that one of the reasons why you got into coaching? I know you mentioned your dad with your youth program development at Hermantown. But are, th- are, are those two influential in your coaching today?
1: Um, yeah. I mean, to a the degree they are there. Actually, I just got off the phone talking uh, while well, FaceTiming with my grandpa, so Milo could get a chance to see his great grandpa there, you know, with their – living five hours away and sequestered and you know everything like that but uh we're actually just talking about it there a little bit today too in preparation for this um you know he he was uh he graduated from Gustavus he was a um, all-american football player there uh got a head coaching job in Rush City uh ended up getting a job down in Marshall and you know he's a guy who built clearly built relationships with his kids because I'm coaching down in North Branch two three years ago and also in this elderly lady comes up to me and she goes, Oh, are you, do you know, Bob Penske? And it's my grandpa. Right. And so, Oh yeah. I was one of his uh, managers on the football team. Uh, his like 30, whatever it was, 1963. And I'm like, okay, well, clearly he made an impact, you know, with, with her and her his, then her husband, her husband, which was a boyfriend at the time, was uh, one of the players on the team and whatnot. So, um, yeah, so I grew up with that. Um, he was a three sport athlete. Dad was a three sport athlete, went to college, which was a, two-sport athlete at Southwest State there. Um, He coached for, my grandpa was a head coach for 12 years. Uh, My dad was never a head coach, but he coached uh, football, basketball um, at various levels, um, boys and girls, middle school, high school. Uh, He did a little baseball as well there. He coached for a grand total of 24 years, Um, you know, and so they, we grew up in a sports family. I mean, we our family vacations were when there's no youth tournaments or anything like that going on in the summer where we could go up to Bemidji and visit the family up there and do things like that. I mean, everything was centered around what our sports schedule was like. It And it's, uh, it's crazy to think that, um, you know, how much of that just, you know, impacted me there, you know? So it's, I do, you know, like every coach, I have a tough time struggling when, you know, okay, you guys are going on a two week cruise in the middle of middle of basketball season, you know, like, okay, that's, I got to understand that not every family grew up the same way I did, but they, uh, yeah, they're definitely a big influence. Um, You know, we were talking about it between the three of us there. This will be our 50th year of, um, you know, some coaching at the high school level between the three of us there, which is, uh, you know, no, it's not, not the McDonald family type, but uh, you know, it's, 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 I think it's a pretty cool thing. Um, And they, uh, you know, growing up with the multi sport, you know, I love multi sport athletes. I'm always willing to work with kids, you know, especially during this time when they gotta be gone for baseball and, you know, usually when they're busy with football stuff, like, yes, go do that stuff. This is a perfect time to do it. Um, so they've uh they've kept me grounded and they keep me uh, you know, they always love chatting after games and breaking stuff down. And my grandpa will uh he'll be the first one to sit there and talk to you about you know, he'll like he was a teacher too, so as every teacher does, ninety percent of the questions we already know the answer to. He'll so, sit so there and he'll talk about, you know, the players and who's coming back and where kids are going and what, you know, what kind of schemes, what kind of stuff are they doing. He was never a basketball coach, but he was just a coach and you know, coaching's coaching. And you can if you know how to coach, you know, at any level, you can do it at the highest level or the lowest level. So it's about, you know, it's about the basics and doing all those things. So they were a big influence in my coaching realm.
0: All right, so who has uh, who's your tailor, and who has more sport sport coats between you and Rhett McDonald?
1: Um, oh boy. All right, so I don't. Yeah, uh, make a plug here. You know, mainstream mainstream stylist down uh, down in Superior Street. There, anyone in the Duluth area, they can uh, use some business right now, as you know that part of the street's getting redone right now. But uh, you know, between uh, Coach McDonald and myself, he might have more. But I'm going to tribute to the fact that he has also had the chance to, uh, he's never had to work in a charter school. So, you know, my budget was a little bit tighter those few years there. But uh, um, he also can rock the bright, you see this neon red sport coat that he right? Yep. The big games. Yeah. yeah when he plays, uh, especially the Cambridge games, he always busts those out. And I think he has for a few hitting ones, too, against Uncle Joel there. But uh, yeah, uh, he's definitely got the brightest and most, uh, most fun type. Sports uh, go to after, sure. I think I think
0: you should go over to me you talked about getting mainstream uh some some business you should go buy yourself a nice bright yellow Hermantown hawk jacket to wear for for <laughs> games this year I think that that would go over well uh, and then last question here, Chris Hopkins, uh former guest as well hockey's a huge sport up in hermantown. uh this is a really good question to think about because we you know we run into that with these communities our size where we 're maybe graduating classes of two to two hundred and fifty kids, and yet we have you know wrestling, basketball, hockey, um, three sports that can draw a lot of kids at the youth level. So what are some ways that you create momentum and then keep kids off of the ice?
1: Yeah. Well, that's a, that's that's a that's always million a dollar question. <laughs> oh gosh. If I, if I had the answer to that one up here, every coach in the Northland would uh, just be throwing money at me. No, we, um, I think a huge benefit to us is, um, as I mentioned, my one assistant is a first grade teacher. Um, I teach second grade and then coach Smith, the former teacher is the PE teacher in the elementary school. Um, so, you know, right there, we got three of the five teachers, male teachers, I should say, in the elementary school are current or former basketball coaches here. Um, you know, so we get a chance to interact with those kids all the time. And, uh, it's crazy the amount of kids who still have the opportunity through about, probably about fifth grade up here, where they can still do hockey and basketball. It kind of, it works itself out a little bit. You know, there are a few conflicts um, wrestling's not quite as big as it is, you know, in the Princeton area um, and uh, a little farther south there. But uh, we, you know, it helps with us being in the elementary school. You know, we at the flip side of not being around at those high school guys is we can try to draw some of these kids in young um, and try to just make it fun for them. And we host youth camps, you know, a couple times a year, um, you know, for three days in the spring, a couple days in the fall, and then you know they got their winter stuff. Um, but we just try to pump them up. We try to get them to all the games there. Um, one of the other teachers who's retiring this year is a music teacher. And, you know, we got him to coordinate with between second and fourth grade. I think there's like 70-some kids who come and sing the national anthem for our home games. Um, you know, and that, just, that just draws interest. And, yeah, there's a lot of hockey kids who are in there and everything. But, um, you know, we just try to get them to have fun with it and try to get them in as much as we can. Because, you know, at, at the youth level, especially at, at such a young age there, it's about – the enjoyment of the game and that's where I think you know most of us fell in love with the game was around that time it's uh it's 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 so much easier when the kids love it there and you know when they do have to make a hard choice you know we are going to win some of those but we're going to lose some too and uh especially up here where you know it's not just the Northland but you know it's it's Hermantown it's hockey is king up here and uh you know they're always going to draw some you know more fans for a home game but uh you know we 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 feed on those that we feed on that a little bit there we play in uh, you know mostly MP gym you know we got a brand new gym there and they built up a ton of bleacher space for us there but uh unfortunately we haven't been able to fill them as much as we wanted yet but we're getting there slowly but surely we're getting there
0: coach i appreciate you first off i know you tune into most of the episodes as usually kind of throw a text my way about something in each episode uh also again um congrats on everything that you're doing at hermantown i know uh you, you, you've had a good couple of groups through the last couple of years, but, uh, you know, w- winning the section a couple of years ago, uh, and then you know, playing De La Salle pretty tough down the state term. I know that can be a, that can be a challenging task. Uh, and <laughs> thanks again for coming on tonight. I know it's, uh, it, it's Wednesday evening when we recorded this. So I appreciate you taking time with your, with your family and your summer uh, to come on and, uh, you know, share some of your information and, and, and hopefully coaches will walk away like all of these with, with some information that can help them. Now the workouts are starting teams are in the gym. Uh, they can, you know, apply some of the information that they're hearing in this. So coach, thanks. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Thanks, man. Appreciate everything you're doing.